From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It is the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis, and it is Thanksgiving week. It is rivalry week. It is Black Friday. It's not really a week, it's a day. What other week is it, Ryan? Well, like, I think Black Friday has been extended a little bit because I've seen you know early Black Friday deals posted on uh, advertisements and whatnot. So I think they're just stretching it out a little bit more. Well, it's worth it's World Cup week for those, or World Cup month, I guess, for those that celebrate, right? Yeah, you know, I watched that USA game yesterday and enjoyed the first half. Second half left a little to be desired, I tell you. Yeah, this is not a uh, F-U-T-B-O-L podcast. We're kind of focused on the uh, the pigskin, the the, uh, the uh, Georgia Bulldogs being 11-0 and and uh, – Little matchup against Georgia Tech on Saturday at a very familiar time of noon, which uh, I'm fine with. I know a lot of fans would rather it be, you know, well, I don't know if they'd want the Georgia Tech game necessarily to be a night game because it's like, you know, towards late November. But I mean, no home games all season with a night kickoff is not the way they would want it. But let's focus more on the 11 and 0 and actually the the conference record of 8 0. Back-to-back unbeaten regular uh, regular seasons or uh, SEC seasons. Um, how big an achievement is that, Ryan? I mean, you know, when it's put into historical context, I mean, even, you know, Alabama maybe has only done that one time going back the past 12, 13 years, 14, whatever, of the Nick Saban era, which has been one of the most dominant ever. So to do what Georgia's done has been quite remarkable. I mean – and, and all this time with a walk-on quarterback, am I right? Well, that's a former walk-on. Uh, his name is Stetson Bennett. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, Alabama did it in 2008 and nine, I believe it was. I wrote in my story uh, that published uh, Saturday evening. Um, Florida did it under Steve Spurrier in back-to-back years in the 90s, mid-90s. Um, actually, Friday – uh, while I was in my hotel room in Lexington, I was like, let me look this up because this is kind of a big deal. And uh, that's what I ended up with. I guess it was then I looked it up. Um, and then, you know, so I had that, that good factor. And then Kirby just gave it away in his postgame. He's like, we did something that hadn't been done for 40 years. I was like, come on, keep it on the hush. <laughs> Mark Mark Weiser with the breaking news here. Not you, Kirby. Uh, actually, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, he might be right about 40. I didn't go back past 92 because that is when the uh, SEC went to two divisions. So, I mean, you know, there are Alabama teams, I guess, like in the, under Bear Bryant that maybe went like, what, 6-0? and So I didn't really think it was an apples-to-apples apples comparison. So I kind of stopped at 92. But, um, I mean, that's pretty damn special. Um, you know, I didn't think Georgia was going to go 12-0, and they haven't yet. they got to beat Georgia Tech. But, you know, I, I've said this before. I mean, it's just hard, you know, let alone losing 15 NFL draft picks to uh, do it again, to get to complete an unbeaten regular season. We'll see if they do that. I mean, they're – huge favorites against Georgia Tech. Um, but what do you make of this Kentucky game? Uh, you know, 16-6 to six is the final score. Um, it was 16 nothing, and they were about to, you know, 
maybe go up by uh, add another touchdown to that. Um, if they had punched in in the red zone, um, didn't work out. Kentucky went 99 yards and then, you know, a little, put a little heat on Georgia there. Does uh, does that change anything to you with regards to thinking, uh, you know, does Georgia look a little bit less invincible because Kentucky gave them a little bit of a push? No, I mean, I look at this game as one of missed opportunities. Just like you said, they had, what, third and fourth and one from the one-yard line and, and couldn't get that yard to go up 23 nothing, which might have put kind of the stake, you know, into Kentucky there and, and – put them away for good. It might have given them a little life. They follow that up with a 99-yard touchdown drive, and all of a sudden you got a 16-6 game instead of a 23-0 game, and who knows what happens from there if Georgia were to punch that in. You might look at 30 to nothing or, or even more. The The biggest thing, I think, you know, you look at the weather. Well, what was it up there, about 20, 25 degrees, something like that during the game? Uh, no, nah, it, was, it was like 35. Um, it? it was very windy. It was cold. I mean, colder than Starkville, probably. I mean, they're they're both pretty. Uh, well, I think you look at that in the Missouri game as two games where you just kind of scratch your head with this Georgia team, especially after the dominance of Oregon in the you know first game of the year at South Carolina, which we know is much better team than than we might have thought back when when Georgia played them. So, um, you know, just something about Georgia on the road at Missouri or at uh, Kentucky just leaves a little to be desired, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form that this is a, a poor football team. And I think, uh, you know, when they move to 12-0, and most likely on Saturday against Georgia Tech, uh, I expect it to come in a in dominant fashion like they've done most of the season. I mean, I wasn't talking about a poor football team. I was just saying, does it, does it look like that they could get in these kind of, uh, you know, battles um, – in the second half of games, you know, beyond this Georgia Tech game, I mean, is LSU going to do the same? Is TCU, if that's the opponent, or Clemson in the semifinals? I mean, or do you feel like, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, I always wonder about with Kentucky, you know, if Kirby is saying, well, we expected this kind of game, you know, are you setting yourself up for that kind of game? Like, maybe don't expect that kind of game. I mean, you know, um, and the other thing I think about is, you know, you you're – planning to play 15 games, you know, to try to win a national championship. Like, do you want to not put out your best red zone plays against Kentucky? Do you want to save them? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, here's the thing with, with, if you're talking about the goal line stand, so to speak, I mean, why does Georgia try to pound it up the middle a couple times? Why not? You know, you've shown reverses to Brock Bowers in that situation. Why not pull that out and let him get in the end zone? I mean, that's just, certain questions to me that that need to be asked in that situation. But I also think that it's a game by game situation for Georgia and, and, you know, get go, you know, going into an SEC championship game, who knows, you know, it, it might be a totally different look for this team. Yeah. I mean, and also like, it's okay to kick the field goal. 19, nothing is, is a lot different than 16, nothing, 16, nothing, you know, kind of looking back to the Mississippi state game, deciding, uh, you know, not to just kind of play ultra conservative and, and end up putting the ball away for a punt return touchdown. I mean, uh, you know, I guess that kind of mindset, that kind of aggressive nature is is kind of what's gotten Georgia to the level they are. So you can't, you know, you can't say for certain that, that these are bad moves, but, um, you know, it's just obviously. Well, 
Quite like I said, I mean, I, I try something different than, than pounding it right up the middle. I feel like it was the same thing from Florida, what, three years ago, where they <laughs> had four chances from the one and just kept trying to muscle it in right up the middle, uh, you know. Is is lining Jalen Carter up as a fullback the best way to go? Like, it looks pretty impressive, you know, rolling that guy out there just like you rolled out, uh, I guess, Jordan Davis last year. Um, well, but- hey, you think back to Arkansas last year, wasn't it Jalen Carter that went up the middle there and, and yeah. blocked, like, four people? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's proven to work in the past. And I think, if I'm, I'm, if I'm thinking right, he whipped on a block the other day or, or something didn't go right on that. But, I mean, that would be the guy to put in there to open up a gigantic hole, but it also is very predictable. Right. Yeah. Let me see. I mean, you know, I, I went back and watched um, the replay of, um, you know, the game to see exactly what, what you know, what transpired on. Um, let me find my little file here. Um, look, so they had uh, on the on the short yardage uh, fourth and fourth and goal at the one on that time. Bowers lined up uh, to the left of the tackle. Washington was the uh, kind of an up back Carter in the eye formation. He looked like to me that he ran into the back of Darnell Washington. Um, Jalen did. That's um, two big dudes right there. I tell yeah. you. What. And then, and then the play before um, looked a little bit to me like Warren McClendon and Warren Erickson didn't necessarily get the kind of blocks that they wanted to kind of push. So, no. uh, what am I? Oh, I just say be a little more creative down there. I really yeah. think. I, I think you know. I, I'd I'd like my chances, Brock Bowers, on a on a little speed sweep reverse type of deal to to find a hole outside somewhere instead of just trying to. Mono and mono up the middle, mm-hmm. two or three times in a row. Hey, you know, kind of late in the podcast for this, we're gonna we're gonna have a uh, a guest to talk Georgia Tech coming up uh, very shortly now in about five minutes. Uh, Kelly Quinlan from uh, covers Georgia Tech on the rival site, so well, let's just put that in there. Uh, Will Levis, uh, you know, guy I've talked about as a top ten NFL draft pick. Uh, he's pretty impressive with his um, skill set and his quick release. Um, you know, doesn't have a good offensive line in front of him, but he made some plays downfield in the passing game uh, where, where Georgia didn't play the ball necessarily well in the air. Is that translatable? Do you think Georgia's got some issues um, on on some uh, you know long throws downfield uh, in some of these games coming up? Um, do you feel confident? I mean, Kitty Ringo makes some terrific plays. That interception was another nice one. But, the, you know, on other plays, uh, you, you know, he gets beat. Well, you think, I mean, is is it – the defense Georgia's in, obviously, it seems like they had more one-on-one opportunities than, say, against maybe Tennessee. I, I guess Keeley was kind of matched up against Tennessee one-on-one for a good bit, but they played more of a umbrella style of, you know, just get the safeties back so you don't get beat. But, you know, saying that, it, it seemed like a couple times Levis just threw it up and Georgia's defensive backs, uh, I, I know Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Smith one time was – uh, or maybe twice was did seem a little lost on that, but I don't think it's anything to be concerned about uh, with this defense, as they've proven pretty much all year, outside of of those couple times, how how good they've been. And, and I tell you, Kamari Laster had a really good game the other day. I thought, um, you know, making some plays. So, um, yeah, he's I, he's he's a guy that definitely flashes. Um, absolutely. And of course, Bullard again with a he had another sack the other day, if I'm not mistaken. He's uh, they love blitzing him kind of out of the nickel package there. All right, we think Georgia's done with this cold-weather games. Um, it might be pretty rainy, though, on Saturday here. I haven't looked at the forecast uh, for several hours, but I think that's a possibility. Um, you yeah, know, 60% chance of rain last time I checked. Yeah, that's not, not going to be fun. Um, mm. So, 
um, you know, in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz, we know that'll be roof closed, presumably in 71 degrees or whatever. And then again, if they uh, are the number one seed, they'll be back in that same environment. Um, and then you're talking about Los Angeles uh, or near Los Angeles at, at the Rams stadium. So um, I think that that's no longer going to be on the table. Uh, Saturday will be senior day. Um, it's pretty fluid now. Uh, I wrote about it in the five things to know for this game which is online, Athens.com. You can find that, as well as a story I did about Stetson Bennett um, before his last home game. It's pretty interesting if you look at the guys that took part in ceremonies last year, like seven of them are coming back. Three of them went into the transfer portal. So, you know, you might not really be saying bye-bye to some of these guys uh, who are, are seniors in name and have the opportunity to come back. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, the COVID year, right, gives them it, – it's so confusing. I mean – Obviously, was a Stetson six years, so he's he's done for good. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what choices people make uh, after this senior year. All right, it's also underclassmen um, stay or go time. Let's do a quick guess. This is uh, based on just covering these guys and and knowing their NFL draft potential. And can I can I insert stay or go music uh, right here? You know, should I stay or should I go now? You can insert it, or you can just sing it yourself. <laughs> All right, let's go. Doom, 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 doom. Um, Darnell Washington, he's draft eligible. Um, stare go. I say he goes. I mean, I think NFL teams are salivating over the guy. Yeah, I think and, he's probably, uh, think he's probably there. Warren, Warren McClendon. Ooh, you know, I I think he goes too. I think he's, uh, I think if you're a top maybe two, three round pick, he he's gone. I don't know if he is. I mean, I haven't I haven't heard that much about him right. in that regard. So I, I would say I'm on the fence with him. I don't know what he's going to do. Jalen Carter, we obviously expect, will be playing his last game as a Bulldog, right? In Sanford Stadium, yep. Well, he, he's not just going to walk out saying, I beat Georgia Tech. <laughs> no. yeah, I um, Broderick Jones is an interesting case. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Um, I don't know if, you know, I don't know. I'm on the fence about him. I, I don't know what he will do. I mean, it's kind of early to go as a redshirt sophomore, but, you know, he's got tons of – I hadn't even considered. I mean, it, what, you really think about his first big-time appearance last year seemed to be in the in a national championship game, right? Uh, I mean, he's going to have two – he might have two national championship game starts. Right. I mean, so – Right. So, um, uh, you know, I hadn't even considered, uh, but I, I think he'll be back for one more year, I think would be good for him. Cedric Van Pran Granger. He is a redshirt sophomore as well. Second year as a starter. He was showing up on some list as among the top three or four centers, um, you know, prospects. Um, I think he's probably a return. And I say that based on the fact that uh, he was available for an interview a couple weeks ago. And I don't think he feels like he's had the kind of season he could have in terms of, um, you know, certain games he hasn't lived up to his own high standards. So um, I think he's probably back, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Yeah, let's go. Let's go stay with him. All right. And Keely Ringo, another redshirt sophomore, right? Um, yes, because he missed his whole first year with injury. Yeah, I mean, he's projected as a as a first round pick. So if that's the case, I would say he's probably gone. Yeah, uh, he's I think he's another guy that a lot of NFL teams have, have liked watching what he's done. And of course, He's had two of the most high-profile interceptions, uh, you know, that George has had with the national championship game, obviously, and then the way he shut down Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and then played that ball perfectly for the interception. I think, I think he's a guy that a lot of NFL teams would really like to have. All right, let's talk some uh, more about this Georgia Tech game, and uh, we'll do that now as we bring on special guests. 
All right, it's time to talk Georgia Tech. Uh, the opponent coming to Athens Saturday for the first time since 2018 seems weird to say, but we bring on Kelly Quinlan from JacketsOnline.com uh, to uh, bring us up to speed on uh, Georgia Tech. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So Georgia Tech is five and six. Brent Key took over for a fired Jeff Collins. Uh, wh- what do you make of kind of where the Yellow Jackets stand now as uh, they got – maybe one game left in their season, maybe, maybe more. It's a, it's a weird thing. Cause even if they lose, they're still with the weird season and the 8,000 bowl games actually have a shot to get in based on APR and the five and seven. So it's a, uh, it's been a weird year and that would be a certainly weird ending to it. Um, you obviously have Brent key trying to get the head coaching job now too. You know, it's been interesting. The team's completely different with, with Brent at the helm. Um, they're a hard-nosed kind of old-school football team. You know, they're on quarterback three and four right now in the season after losing Jeff Sims and then uh, Zach Pyron and uh, the true freshman. So they're really just kind of piecing things together. It's been a really impressive coaching job by the staff. The defense looks totally different uh, without Jeff Collins' imprint on it. Uh, the Minister of Mayhem's defense looks a lot better without him. And then – you know, offensively, they've found ways to move the football. Uh, it's not been pretty. They have some, you know, they have a lack of skill guys that are developed and, and can really make plays happen. The offensive line's still been a work in progress. We've had a lot of injuries up there. And obviously, when you get into QB3, I mean, that's tough at Georgia or Alabama or wherever. You can imagine what it's like at Georgia Tech where you don't have, you know, four-star guys lined up in a row. So um, it, it's been an interesting season. And they play really hard for Brent. They, you know, probably could have two more wins right now if they'd, you know, fired Jeff earlier or had a little bit of luck with some injuries. Kelly, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, obviously the team looks different under Brent, but are they just playing for Brent now? Uh, were they tired of Jeff Collins? Is it one of that those situations where they believe in him a little more than maybe the previous guy? I think that might be a little of it. I think Brent's authentic and Jeff didn't come across that way to kids. And Jeff made a lot of it about himself, right? Like um, it wasn't about, you know, I, I don't know how to describe this, but you would hear him like talking to the team. Cause you know, we got to watch practice and stuff and he would talk about himself a lot. And I've never been around a coach that, that oh, did wow. that, you know, like I did this, I did that. And, really quite frankly hadn't done a whole lot so um <laughs> i think just the blue collarness of it and hit, seeing the amount of work he puts in the amount of effort the focus the determination all of those things is so different than than what it was and i think the kids bought into that and then you know they they have hard practices they play tough um in practice and i think that carries over so i think those are the things that have kind of made such a huge difference for them well, saying all that, does Brent Key have a shot at being the next coach? Full-time? Yeah, I think it'll be him or Jamie Chadwell. It'll be one of those two guys. So, I mean, that's that's where it's at right now for me. And from talking to all my sources and, you know, being on top of this as much as I am. So, no big, big splash, I guess, uh, so to speak? No, I mean, I think that, you know, people wanted Deion Sanders or whatever. I think that just doesn't make sense. Um I think there's certain programs where he makes sense, but there's a lot where he doesn't. And Georgia Tech's a very kind of old school buttoned up fan base. 
And, you know, again, like you just had Jeff Collins, who's sort of a flash salesman type. Um, Dion's obviously a much higher level of that, but he's a little too similar too. So I, I just don't see it being a fit. And there's not really any other sexy hire to go make right now. I think that they need a guy who can coach football. They've just tried to razzle and dazzle people to get away from what you know, Paul Johnson did, and it's backfired horribly on them. And I think they need to get back to having hard-nosed coaches. The whole history of the program's basically been guys like Bobby Ross or George O'Leary or Paul that were hard-nosed guys, and that's what's been successful for them. And I think getting away from that was a mistake. So Georgia Tech hired Jay Bat as athletic director, comes from Alabama, where obviously football is uh, king. How important is football, do you think, at, at Georgia Tech, and, and will it you know, be more important now? I think they've, they've clearly made a decision to invest heavily in football. And, you know, this was a pivot moment for them where they could have gone and poured their NIL money into basketball, try to be more of a basketball school. And they're doing the exact opposite. They're, they've put all of their NIL chips in on football and put all their resources in on football and almost to, you know, the point of maybe under, underserving their basketball program, surprisingly. So to me, they seem very hell-bent on trying to compete at the highest level in football. Um, so, you know, this is that's where they're at now. That was the decision that was made. The school president came out and said as much himself when he fired um, Todd Stansberry and, and made a change that they thought they wanted a football program that could compete nationally with, with anyone, and he thinks they can do that. So, you know, the proof will be in the pudding, as they say, but um, I, I think they very much put their chips in on football. How big of a surprise was last week's win at North Carolina? Was there any was there any hope really that they would actually go in there and pull that off? I thought they had a chance. They played them really well the year before and beat them in the bends. Um, you know, with Drake May and the way he was playing, it seemed a little hard. But the defensive line was good. North Carolina's offensive line was not good and I thought North Carolina's defense was terrible so my thought was if he could get to 20 points they would have a shot um if they could you know keep May in check and they did so ultimately that was sort of how it all played out it was sort of the best case scenario of like what you'd expect I think the only other thing that would have been as impressive as if they'd had you know a bunch of turnovers they forced but they didn't do that but I, I, it's one of the things I told, cause I had a bunch of fans reach out to me. Like, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to go to the game. I said, you go to the game cause you never know what's going to happen. Right. Like, um, and it wasn't like you were playing Alabama or Georgia or whatever. Like there was a, at least a puncher's chance going into that game. So, uh, you know, that's, that's been the MO. They beat Pitt too. It was very much kind of in a similar boat at that time. Carolina to me too, was like this team that should have like four losses. When you look at, their actual games and their schedule and who they played. So what it they were a little bit of a paper tiger. So Georgia tech's got their third and fourth quarterback, as you mentioned, Zach Gibson, uh, Akron transfer from Johns Creek high. There's a Clemson transfer as well. I'm not going to butcher his name. I'll let you. Uh, Ty- Tyson Pumachan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what does Georgia tech have there? Obviously it was enough to, to beat North Carolina. Um, you know, these guys serviceable. I mean, if you can protect Gibson, he can throw the football okay. He's not going to go out and throw 40 times for 300 yards. He's he's like the sort of 
like poor man's Frank Reich, like a guy who can come in off the bench, come in and win a game for you. He's an NFL old college football analogy. Um, but not like the guy you want to build your program around or anything. And he's a little bit different. So he doesn't run as well as Sims or Pyron or Pumachan. So they've been using the two of them as like this two quarterback system to kind of have a running option when they get into short yardage or goal line or situations where they want to run the football with Pumachan. And then you can use Gibson to do your more traditional passing stuff. And, and it worked well. Um, you know, I don't, I think a lot of it too was just how mediocre Gene Chizik's defense is at, at North Carolina as well. Like they, I don't know what they were doing. They didn't blitz Gibson. They zero blitzed him like one time. They beat him on it, and then he just kind of played coverage, which was sort of an odd decision given how poor the Tech offensive line had played this year. So, you know, I think a lot of it was just poor coaching by Mac Brown and his staff too. But you know, good execution by Georgia Tech. It was sort of a combination of things and. I don't know that recipe is going to work against the team like Georgia. So I want to ask you um, about Jim Cheney, who is uh, the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator at Georgia under Kirby in his early years here. He's on staff at Georgia Tech uh, as an analyst. I guess he was maybe like an assistant to Collins before. Mm -hmm. Do you you see him on game day? How much of a role does he have? He is pretty much just working as like the – He's been like the guy that does the lead, um, that does the lead analysis ahead of a game. So like he's scouting teams and doing that kind of thing. Like he's not doing the, uh, you know, day to day thing. He's not out there like as like a super sort of quasi coach or whatever. He's just not involved in that he's, he's here like a couple times a week and that's it. All right, Kelly, one last one. We'll get you out of here on this one. How does Georgia Tech keep this game close? And with the recent success, is there belief they could pull this upset? I was joking with one of the coaches about this the other day, and his joke was they're just going to snap the ball on one on every play and the play clock and try to shorten the game. But that really was their strategy against North Carolina. They played keep away. They slowed the pace down of the game and, you know, let their defense do their thing. I think – you know, that's where it, it, where they have a chance. The issue for, for Georgia Tech is the strengths of Georgia's offense, particularly the tight ends and, and being able to move the football the way they do, play sort of against the strengths of what Georgia Tech's been good at stopping this year. They struggle with tight ends. They struggle with covering running backs. You know, they give up some weird runs sometimes with misfits and, and – uh, Defensively, like the first play of the game for North Carolina was an 80-yard touchdown. You can't do those things against Georgia. They can't dig themselves a hole. So, really, the way for them to stay in the game is they just have to make Georgia grind to score the football, grind their way down the field. And it'll be similar to sort of like what like a Kentucky tried to do where you you try to make the game as short as possible. Um, and then that's your avenue into it. And then take a couple shots here and there, but it's just a weird matchup. You know, Tech's down so many guys. I mean, they have their leading receiver out against North Carolina uh, with the upper body injury. They're down three offensive linemen right now. They're down a starting three safety. It's it's not been um, – it's not like the optimal lineup you would put up against them. So, to me, yeah, it's a ball control game, trying to keep the score under, you know, three scores. Because the issue, too, is going to be, like, you're not going to score 20 points probably on Georgia. 
So if you want a chance to win, you, it's got to be like the 17-14 kind of game. And they'd probably need to create a turnover to get a, a cheap touchdown. All right, Kelly, we appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, you can find Kelly's work at jacketsonline.com. And uh, Kelly, we'll see you, I guess, in Athens on Saturday. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. We thank uh, Kelly Quinlan from uh, Jackets Online for joining us. Ryan, a couple things before we get to our picks. Um, have a story on sto- sets and bad today, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, I think it's still to be determined, but um, where do you think he will go down in terms of Georgia quarterbacks? If like, you know, is he one of the greats? You know, he's, he's always going to have that cloud hanging over him uh, and, and only a cloud given to him by fans and whatnot. Now I think this year has been, you know, a little more easy than last year because he's been the man all year. Um, but if you win two national titles, I mean, there almost needs to be statue talk around around there, I think. Where are you going to put that statue? That's a good point. Uh, maybe right next to the new media area. <laughs> near the, the the <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not going to be up until 24, I guess, right? I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, check it out. Uh, Aaron Murray had some interesting comments about kind of where Stetson – uh, might fit in the uh, you know the all-time list uh, in in that story that I wrote today. Right. Uh, all right, a lot of uh, football will be on TV uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think there's three NFL games on Thursday. I guess the Egg Bowl is Thursday night. Right. Um, a lot of Friday football. How how much football will you watch on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, you know what? I am going to the in-laws, and I have never experienced. Thanksgiving with them. I hope we have it on the TV, but I mean, I usually catch a lot of the first game, a little bit of the middle game and uh, some of the night game, but I, I really like watching the egg bowl uh, on Thanksgiving night more than an NFL game by far. Um, We can always, you know, have it like streaming on your phone if they don't have it on the TV. Right. That's true. Yeah. All right. I don't think we can, uh, you know, do a, uh, Thanksgiving week podcast without talking about favorite Thanksgiving dishes, which I'm sure we've done over the, over the last several years, but uh, Ryan, let, let's do it again. Even though uh, we, we might've covered this in the before. First of all, are you, are you anti cranberry sauce? No, I love cranberry sauce. Um, you, you, I, I, I like it right out of the can. I like the slices. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, what do you call it? Real cranberry sauce. I mean, I don't know what you call it. Uh, homemade cranberry sauce. It's my favorite. I like it. I like it sliding right out of the can onto the plate and you just kind of cut it in slices from there. All right. It's uh, it's been an unusual um, holiday season or pre-holiday season because um, I don't think I've had a slice of pumpkin pie yet. So I'm going to have to make up for that between now and Christmas uh, starting this week. What do you think? My, my wife is making two different kinds because her parents have had to go vegan. So she's got to make a vegan version and another version. Where do you stand on collard greens, Mr. Weiser? I mean, it's not really on my uh, menu. Oh, man, I love them. I got to have them. And so I'm going to make them myself this year. All right, bring um, me a couple of those slices of uh, pumpkin pie to the game on Saturday, okay? You got it. You got it. And, uh, you know, stuffing, uh, all the all the good stuff. All right, let's do these picks. Uh, we are going to bring along a little special guest who we were going to bring along earlier this season, I believe, and um, she had a little conflict. Um, that's going to be my daughter, Alyssa. 
Alyssa knows more about football than I do, so she's going to um, kind of dominate these picks. Uh, Alyssa, do you think you're going to get uh, – we'll have to give you – come back and, and tell your record next week, but uh, do you think you know more about the, this week's games than I do? Um, no. What? Okay. She'll, she'll, she'll beat me, I'm sure. All right. Um, I went 7-8 and eight last week, and I'm now 83-93 and 93 overall. Oof. Yikes. Well, that sounds bad, but Ryan, go ahead and tell us what your your record is. Well, I, I know I was eight and seven last week, so I got you by a game there. But uh, overall, I lost count a while ago when I fell so far behind you. So, uh, yeah, that's where I stand. I need to go back and check. Maybe I have that um, the one loss off. I don't remember being that far under. Uh, let me. I'm gonna just double check this here because I feel like I'm kind of shortchanging myself. So mm. let me see what my record was last week. Um, yeah, I was 76 and 75 last week. So I um I'm not as bad as that sounded. By the way, some breaking news here. Uh Jamon Dumas Johnson is a Buckus Award finalist. He's one of five. So this will be tweeted right now as we speak. Ryan, as I as I uh, tweet that out, and this is LBU, right, Georgia? Well, they've I mean, had what three of the last four uh Buckus Award winners? Or or two of the last four, I mean? Uh, I don't know. Nicole. I mean, and and uh Jamon Dumas Johnson yesterday was available uh for interviews and he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily saying he's having a great year he he has a high standard like uh kirby apparently so uh would you have given him uh is he the, is he george's best linebacker you think i think with the, what he the the shoes he had to fill last year with georgia losing three linebackers i mean and you're you're replacing the kobe dean i think it's been a heck of a year for the guy i think he's i think he's worthy of of definitely being considered for the buckets award yeah all right, I have to. I had to double check that he's a finalist because sometimes you think it's a finalist and it's really a semifinalist. They they put out these lists, they cut them down and all that stuff so much. So, all right, he's one of five finalists for the Buckers Award. Okay, oh, for a nation's top linebacker. Why don't I say that so people know what? It, what yeah, so yeah, what Roquan and uh, Nakobe, two of the last, I guess maybe four or five years. So, all right, I don't know. Um, that'd be interesting because uh, they don't really fit what he was saying. Uh, about his season but um anyway all right let's make these picks uh as we uh, go back to that after that breaking news I wonder if there's gonna be any other uh, any other award list breaking news all right it's the egg bowl mississippi state at ole miss it's the rebels by two and a half and by the way ryan so I, i'm at 500 that should be i guess 93 and 93 or is it wait what's your number or maybe it's 83 and 83 I don't uh, know. i'm way below you man all right uh rebels by two and a half I say give me Ole Miss. I don't think that they uh, – they're they're definitely on the slide, and Lane Kiffin's busy correcting internet rumors about whether he's going to go to Auburn, which you know leads me to think, is he distracted? But mm-hmm. I think they're at home, and, and I'm going to take the Rebels, given the two and a half. What do you got, Ryan? Um, you know, I, I think there's too much distractions there. I, I mean, I think Mississippi State uh, – I think they – you know, give them the points there, and, and we'll have a heck of a game. All right, now Alyssa will make her pick, and it'll be better than mine. <laughs> I picked Mississippi State. Yeah. Do you want to give us a reason why? Um, they beat Arkansas, and Arkansas beat Ole Miss. So. I love that. The property – what's that called? The uh, transit property. Transit property? Love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I mentioned there's a lot of Friday football. Uh, Baylor is at Texas. It's the Longhorns by seven and a half. Ryan, go ahead and make your pick. Man, you know what? I thought Texas would get a, a tough game last week from Kansas, and uh, boy, was I wrong. And then Baylor obviously gives the number four team in the in the nation all they want. 
Give me Texas. I'm going to say hook them horns at home. Um, I think I put Texas back in my top 25. Um, Baylor just, you know, tussled with TCU, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a that's a Texas thing. And, um, you know, probably M- McGonaghy will kind of do some of his voodoo magic on, on Baylor. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Alyssa, what do, you, what do you think of uh, Baylor and Texas? Um, I chose Texas. No reasoning. No reasoning, except um, I think she wants to take a trip to Austin because we haven't been there with her. So, uh, Ryan, Ryan's a, Ryan, you've been to Austin, haven't you? I have not been to Austin. I've flown into Dallas. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. It's uh, NC State at North Carolina. It's the Tar Heels by six and a half. I will take the Wolfpack getting the points. Uh, NC State is big time slide as well. North Carolina coming off a loss to Georgia Tech. It's in Chapel Hill. Very pretty, scenic game day environment. I will take UNC. Brian? Yeah. Um, I think NC State definitely hadn't lived up to expectations. And then North Carolina last week just wet the bed, so to speak. But give me give me North Carolina at home to 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 cover that, yeah. All right. Alyssa, what do you think? Um, I'll go with North Carolina so they don't lose twice in a row. Okay. Alyssa, then you're on the same wavelength. I like this. All right. Now, if we were picking, like, World Cup soccer, Alyssa could break this down oh, a lot better. She knows more about she that. She predicted that upset this morning. Um, Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Arkansas is at Missouri. It's the Razorbacks by three. Um, Ron, why don't you make that pick first? All right. I, I'm going to predict that it's a cold day in Missouri. And uh, Arkansas I mean, coming off a huge win that they flop a little bit. Give me Missouri in this one. Wait, did you actually look at the weather or are you just predicting that? It's got to be cold in Missouri in, you know, around Thanksgiving. Come on. All right. I'll look it up while y'all pick, though. It's not that important. Uh, I see this as as close. I mean, Arkansas had coming off a big game. I'm going to take Missouri getting the points at home. Um, so that's just the way I roll. Alyssa, what, what do you think of this matchup? Um, I chose Missouri to win because they're at home. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's supposed to be 70% chance for rain and a high of 50, so not as cold as I thought. All right. Florida's at Florida State. It's the Seminoles by nine and a half. Um, Ryan, the uh, Gators just went to Vanderbilt. Wait a second. Yeah, that the Gators just went to Vanderbilt and, and lost. Why is this game being played on Friday night, Florida at Florida State? I don't know. Hmm. Um, but that's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think I'm going to watch it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm taking Florida State laying the nine and a half. What do you got, Ryan? Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think Florida State's, you know, starting to bounce back a little bit. Florida, they're in a state of disarray a little bit. So give me the Seminoles. All right, Alyssa, what do you see here? I also chose Florida State. Come on. I think I need a little more I need a little more analysis. Can you talk about their um kind of their backup inside linebacker and uh yeah, and why their uh their three four defense is helping them win this year? Oh, she says they have a good run game. The Seminoles, though. Yeah. All right. There you go. Ryan, do a little fact check. Let me see what Florida State's ranked in the in the uh, Russian stats. I'll I'll look it up in a second. But first, uh, it's the big one: Michigan at Ohio State. The Buckeyes by eight. Ryan, go ahead and, and make your pick as I look up those rushing stats. You know what I? I mean, I I'm not sold on Michigan just yet. Uh, Ohio State. You know they've. They've been pretty dominant this year, but got a little scare last week from from 
um, Maryland, and also a couple weeks ago from Northwestern. Now, that was in breezy Chicago, so I don't know how you can judge that game exactly. But I do think at Ohio State that they cover this game and, and win pretty handily. All right. Um, still looking up that stat number. Uh, it's the uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Wolverines here. Um, I, I like it's it's eight points. I, I feel like they're going to be within striking distance there. And I don't know what the weather is is at Ohio State, um, but th- there's too much on the line for both these teams. I don't see it as a blowout. Um, so I'm going to take the Wolverines getting the uh, eight points um, as I. Look up. So, which team was I looking Florida up? There? Florida State. All right, Florida State. Let's see here. Not bad. She knows what she's talking about. Fourteenth in the nation in rushing, two hundred and seventeen yards per game. So, all right. Let's look now at uh, Alyssa's pick here for Michigan, Ohio State. What do you got, Alyssa? I chose Ohio State for all the reasons that Ryan said. <laughs> oh, like the reasons yes. that Ryan said. What? Absolutely. Oh my God. All right. Um, South Carolina, Clemson, it's the Tigers by 14 and a half. Uh, Ryan, what are you doing? Yeah, give me South Carolina. Maybe they're riding a little beamer wave here. You know, they come off the big win last week. Maybe that's prime uh, reason not to pick them this week. But I, I, I like I like what South Carolina is doing right now. I haven't been sold with Clemson all year long. I think they can definitely keep it under that 14 and a half. Is that what you said? Yeah, look, Clemson, um, they – had a good win last week against Louisville. I think it was, was that last week? I think it was, mm-hmm. um, was that last week? No, I can't remember. They, they won big last week. Um, South Carolina went to Florida the week before, um, this Tennessee, uh, blowout and, and did not have a good showing. So I think that team's up and down. I think they're going to, you know, make that short drive to, uh, Clemson and, um, I think Clemson's going to cover that number. I'm going to take Clemson at home. Melissa, what do you got? Um, I also chose Clemson at home. Do you have a reason why? No. What? You could say, like, you like the orange color. I think their fans will help them, yes. All right. Uh, Louisville's at Kentucky, Ryan. It's the Wildcats by three. I'm going to take Kentucky at home to win this one. I I was impressed with them last week uh, in terms of their fight. They didn't give up. After uh, losing at Vanderbilt at home, maybe they they feel. I mean, if you look, look watch Mark Stoops' press conference after that game. Obviously, uh, they were on the losing side of sixteen to six, but um, I think he he thought his team, you know, gave him the kind of performance against the number one team in the nation that he wanted. Obviously, not the result. But what, what do you got, Ron? Yeah, I think them being at home, uh, I think they're a better team than they've proven this year. Uh, so give me give me the Wildcats as well. All right, let's start. Which part of Kentucky do you like better, Louisville or Kentucky or Lexington, Kentucky? Well, I wrote in my notes to pick Kentucky, but I'm going to pick Louisville. Ooh, I like it. You had a little second uh, second guess, uh, and it's going that way. Oregon's at Oregon State. The Ducks by three. Ryan, uh, go ahead and make your pick. Oregon at Oregon State. Ducks by three. Yeah, I think the Ducks. Uh, that that seems that seems like a fishy line, doesn't it? I mean. Uh, what what is this one called? The Civil War or something like that? Um, give me give me Oregon to to cover that with ease. Did they have to change the name of that? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I, all right, so I was I was two weeks off on that Clemson thing. By the way, I looked it up. It was it was Miami that they kicked last week, uh. 40, 40 to ten. Um, 
I am taking the Beavers at home. They've kind of been a team that I've kind of had at the back end of my top 25. And, um, you know, Oregon's shown that they're a little bit uh, more vulnerable in recent weeks. So going on the road in Pac-12 play in November is not easy. Give me the Beavers at home getting three. Listen, what do you got? I picked Oregon. Is it because you like uh, all their crazy colors and Nike no. uniforms? No? All right. <laughs> She Auburn and Alabama. She knows what she knows what she's picking. Auburn and Alabama. It is the tied by twenty-two. Ryan, go ahead and make your pick. Is this at Alabama? It yes. is in Tuscaloosa. You know, they, they've had a little bit of a recharge, kind of like we've seen with tech, right? With a with a legend, so to speak, of the of the program leading the leading the Tigers right now, but I don't know. I, I just I just don't think they can keep it close against Alabama. Give me Alabama to cover it. Yeah, I'm taking I'm, I'm taking the roll tide. Um, Nick Saban said some nice things this week about Cadillac Williams, but um, it's one thing to you know put up a nice nice win against a Western Kentucky. I think Alabama will uh, take care of business at home against uh, in, in this big Iron Bowl rivalry. Alyssa, what do you got? I chose Auburn. I think it'll be less than 22 points. Oh, okay. She's a big Cadillac. Williams fan, she, she's rooting for uh, him to... Hey, I kind of am too. I like Cadillac. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's just... Been he's, oh. been, he's been good. <laughs> um, LSU's at Texas A&M as we're winding these down. It's the Tigers by 10, heading into the SEC Championship game the week after. But look, the Aggies are a disaster. I knew that they would not be able to put up enough points against UMass to cover that. I'm taking LSU in College Station, and I don't know how many people are going to be in the stands by the end of this game. Yeah, you saw that last week, right? Where they, <laughs> I mean, they had some rain, I think, in 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 uh, College Station there, but it was, I swear, there wasn't eight people in the stands. But yeah, give me LSU to go in there. It's it's a mess at at A and M, and I think LSU not looking ahead to the SEC championship game will uh, go ahead and dismantle the Jimbo's. All right, let's see what Alyssa has here. I agree, LSU. That's it. Very, That's very, very quick answers and just gets right to the point. Tennessee's at Vanderbilt. It's the Commodores getting 14. Vols are now on their backup quarterback uh, as, unfortunately, Hendon Hooker lost for the season with a knee injury. Ryan, what do you got? Hey, you know what? Give me Vanderbilt. They, you know, they can keep it within 14 for all those reasons you just said. You're without Hendon Hooker. You're a little bit down because of that. You're really down because you put up or got – 63 points put up on you last week. So uh, I think, you know, Vanderbilt can keep this one fairly close. Yeah, I'm taking Vandy into points. Um, I would not have done that if if they had a hooker. Agreed. But I also don't think the spread would have been 14 necessarily then. I don't I don't know. Um, so, I mean. Wasn't their, court, their quarterback now, wasn't he the starter last year for a minute? Yeah. Before? Yeah. yeah. Michigan transfer, I think. Mm-hmm. So I will take uh, I'll take Vanderbilt and um, I mean you know can they win three in a row I don't I don't know about that but what, what do you think Alyssa? Um, I chose Tennessee. That's. <laughs> is there a reason why you chose them? No. Really? <laughs> I think there is a reason. The reason is she thinks they're going to win by more than fourteen. Yeah. Like, has a good gut feeling about these things. All right, Notre Dame at Southern Cal. It's the Trojans by five and a half. Um, Notre Dame has really turned around their season after losing to Marshall, losing to um, was it North Carolina? I think it was North Carolina, maybe. Or I don't, I don't know who else they lost. They had a second loss. Um, I'm taking Southern Cal 
laying the points at home. What do you got, Ryan? Yeah, what is it again, the line? Trojans by five and a half. Yeah, I think they're playing really well. Caleb Williams is a stud. Give me, give me the Trojans as well. Melissa, what do you got? I have USC as well. Okay. Last, same, reason. same reasons. Maybe we'll let, let Alyssa pick first. That way you, she can give us her own reasons. What do you think? All right. Georgia Tech's at Georgia. This is a big one, kind of, because it's, you know, it's Georgia podcast. Bulldogs by 35 and a half points. Ryan, that is a big number to me. I think uh, Georgia is winning at home by about 30 points a game. And this number is 35 and a half. Um, I think Georgia Tech is better than Kent State. I think Georgia Tech's probably not better than well, I think they are better than Vanderbilt. I don't know. Not the, the Vanderbilt team that we saw before they are. I don't know. Um, I'm taking the Jackets. I think Georgia wins this game like 42 to 10. Um, what do you think, Ron? Yeah, Alyssa, what do you got? Um, as much as I would, I know Georgia's going to win. I don't know if it'll be over five touchdowns. So I chose Georgia Tech to take the points, but not to win. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I like that reasoning. And, 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 you know, I think she convinced me as well as Kelly convinced me earlier. You know, Tech's going to have to pull out some things to try to keep this close, whether that's wait until the last second to snap the ball or, or whatever they have to do. But, you know, they played well, and they've got that new kind of mindset, that hard-nosed mentality, as Kelly called it, uh, under Brent Key. And that is a lot of points. You're right, Alyssa. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, with, with a resurgent tech team, so to speak, who absolutely despises Georgia. Um, I think they can keep it closer than the five touchdowns as well. Yeah, the one thing that that leads me to believe this could be a little bit closer is the uh, turnover margin. Georgia Tech's one of the best teams in the country. Georgia not. We'll see if that plays out. Uh, In any event, everyone have a great Thanksgiving. We appreciate uh, Alyssa joining us as special guest. Maybe she'll be back uh, later in the season. Who knows? Uh, Ryan, uh, we'll see you uh, Saturday and have a great Thanksgiving yourself. Sounds good. Y'all do the same. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.